And he's saying, you have to give up your own way. You have to give up that human way. You have to give up the cultural way. You have to give up the way your family's always done it, the way your friends are doing it. And you have to take up your cross and follow me. Because that's God's point of view. (laughs) That's not the human point of view. The human point of view is the opposite. The human point of view is do everything your own way. Do it the way that the world is telling you to do it, the way the culture is telling you to do it. Do it the way your religion is trying to tell you to do it. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, if you do that, if you try to hang on to that, you're going to end up losing everything to the point where it says you can gain the whole world. As you said, that's what Satan was offering Jesus. I will give you the whole world. I will give you every kingdom in this world. But he says, what are you really gaining if that causes you to lose your soul? Because there is nothing worth more than your soul. Welcome to the I Will Be Your Church podcast, Virtual Sanctuary. Be strengthened today with the truth of God's love so that you can say to your families, your friends, your co-workers, and your social media worlds, I will be your church. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through 5. It is true, we live in a body of flesh, but we do not fight like people of the world. We do not use those things to fight with that the world uses. We use the things that God gives to fight with, and they have power. Those things that God gives to fight with destroy the strong places of the devil. We break down every thought and imagination and proud idea that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought, and we make it obey the Anointed One and His words. All this week, we have been talking about the different ways that Jesus was tempted at the beginning of His ministry. Today, we are going to wrap it up and take an overall look at how Jesus was able to always walk in the spiritual power of resisting temptations and overcoming both His spiritual and His worldly enemies. So we are going to read the whole passage again to see the tools that Jesus used. So we find that in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all during that time and became very hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up in their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, Get away from me, Satan. The scripture also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. 
Then let's read one more passage of scripture in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26. This is another example of temptation that happened to Jesus. This time, it was through one of his own disciples. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things, saying, Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So we can take from this passage the most important way that Jesus dealt with the devil was he spoke up. He resisted. He did something against what the devil's. Here you have the devil trying to always tempt you. Some of the situations here, he was appearing to Jesus and talking straight to him. Another situation, he was actually using another person. But the devil's trying to trip him up. He's trying to get him to do something that's not God's will. And what did Jesus do? He spoke up. He made a stand against it. He posed what was coming towards him to try to trick him or entice him away from God. But overall, let's just take that Jesus resisted the devil. He stood up to him and he spoke a few things. And what did he speak? He spoke God's word. He spoke scripture. He spoke his destiny when he was talking to Peter. He knew what God's will was and he spoke it out. And he also told the devil to get away from him. One time it was Peter he was talking to, but he called him Satan. And the other time it was directly to Satan himself. And he told him to get out. I can tell you, Joanna, like many Christians I've known over the years, don't do these things. They think that you can't resist the devil. Even though literally it's so strange that the Bible says resist the devil, he will flee from you. But uh, we kind of grew up like this, right? We grew up speaking scriptures. We grew up praying authoritative prayers. We grew up resisting the enemy and we were always made fun of. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Our parents, you remember mom and dad being made fun of in church? Yeah. When they would talk about resisting the enemy in various ways, they'd be made fun of. Even but though this, we're trying to follow Jesus's example. Yeah. We're literally doing his example. Yeah. So, I mean, as Ben said, you know, to start off with, if you are looking for practical steps to overcome various things in your life that you know you don't want to be there any longer, the very first thing you need is you need to have a knowledge and understanding of the words of God. Number one. You have to understand that because as, as the very first scripture I read from Second Corinthians was, there's a battle going on. In our flesh, there is, in this world, there's a battle. But we're not supposed to fight the way the world fights against things. Yep. It says that we have to actually break down thoughts, break down imaginations, break down proud ideas that try to exalt themselves against the wisdom of God. So the Bible shows us the wisdom of God. So if we don't know it, how are we going to fight against the thoughts that come that aren't of him? 
Mm-hmm. So we have to start with knowing the wisdom of God. And then in that passage, it goes on to say, once you know the wisdom of God, that's what's going to help break down those thoughts and ideas that try to come against the wisdom of God. And it actually says that we can take hold of every thought and make it obey the words of the Lord. So see Jesus demonstrate this. So Jesus, he's out in the wilderness, he's starving, he is alone, and the enemy comes and tries to put these thoughts. You can hear the thoughts. Hey, did God really say that you're the son of God? Are you the son of God? Hey, if you're hungry, why don't you do this? Hey, how about I give you everything the world has to offer? Here's all those little thoughts that are proud and that are coming against the wisdom of God. And what did Jesus do? He said, no, he took those thoughts and it says he took them, he took hold of them, and he actually made his thoughts obey God's word. And so we see Jesus demonstrate to us, here's how you do it. Know the word of God, know his wisdom. And then when those things come to you, take hold of them. When those bad thoughts come, take hold of them and then make those words come into obedience to the truth, which is the wisdom of God. Yeah. It doesn't say like, don't think the thoughts, right? Can't help it. You can't help what thoughts come your way. Sometimes it's your own mind. Sometimes it's external situations. Sometimes it's the devil. You can't stop thoughts from happening, but you can take hold of thoughts and you can deal with thoughts. Remember, take hold means to grab hold of. So that means grab hold of that thought and then let God's wisdom rise up and speak truth to whatever that is. And it will dispel it. It will resist it. It will literally flee from you. I like how Jesus did not have any of the devil's strong places in him. And that's why we look at Jesus resisting the devil. It's instantaneous, right? I mean, it's like he has no issues. And I think maybe many Christians get trapped in that. They feel insignificant compared to that. But the reason is we have strongholds of the devil in us. I had a stronghold of pornography in my life for decades. It started when I was a small child. That thing, the devil grabbed hold of me in that. That was a stronghold. And I know many men, you know, probably most men, deal with that stronghold of the devil. It's it's deep-rooted within our flesh and in our minds, and it has a hold of us, and it's hard to break. Well, I know many men who just weep and pray, oh, please, you know, I don't want to deal with this, and they struggle, struggle, struggle. Take it away from me, yeah. Yeah, and but... They're not doing what this scripture says. They're not doing what Jesus says. They have the right heart. I dealt with this myself for years, having the right heart of wanting to be free, but I never took the actual steps that says right here that we take captive those things. We compare it up against what God has said. We resist the devil. We speak the truth and it breaks that stronghold down. Well, eventually I did. You know, eventually I did go through that process and it has no place in my life today. And I'm completely free from it. But it's almost like a Christian stigma, which I just don't understand because it's literally spelled out in these scriptures that we're talking about right now, exactly how to deal with it. I, I heard this story before. If you lived on a farm and let's say you're doing dishes in the kitchen in the summertime and in the old days, you just leave your door open out in the farm, you know, outside. And if a a dirty old pig was running around your yard 
and came into your kitchen, you know, you could just, you could just imagine like an old farm grandma, you know, sweeping the floors in that kitchen and here this dirty old sow comes running into that kitchen, all muddy and filthy. What would that grandma do? She'd grab that broom and start beating on that pig, kicking it out of her kitchen. Right. right? She wouldn't just let it lay down Roam around in there. <laughs> right. She'd, she'd do something about it. Well, then why as Christians are we letting the pig of a devil come into our home and mess the whole thing up? And, and we're calling people on the phone. There's a pig in my house. Would you come over and help me? Or God, we're getting on our knees praying. God, there's a pig in my house destroying everything. Would you do something about it? When specifically right here, he gives us examples of what we can do to rid that pig from our houses permanently. But we have to do something. I think that other scripture in Matthew that you read sort of explains why we let these things go. So remember, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's basically telling them the future. This is what's going to happen to me. This is why I came. I came to die. I came to die, and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew that my purpose in life was to be crucified, to be brutally murdered, Mm -hmm. that would be a very tempting thing to walk away from. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I don't want to I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to be uh, made to suffer, it says, at the hands of the elders. And Jesus didn't either. He yeah, prayed he for he prayed three times that it would pass yeah. and, and he sweated drops of blood. It was so stressful. So here you have. Remember, Jesus can be tempted, as we've talked about a few times now. So Jesus mm-hmm. can be tempted. So don't you think he was just naturally, just in his flesh, without any outside influence, tempted to walk away from his very purpose for being in the earth? Of course he was. So when he's sharing this with the disciples, and then Peter stands in front of him and says, this will never happen to you. So basically now he's got somebody agreeing, no, you don't want to go through that. Yeah. Jesus turns to him, and it's not that Peter Peter was not Satan in this moment, but he was doing what Satan tries to do, which is to get us to turn away from God's purposes in our lives. And Jesus goes so far as to say, you are a trap, a dangerous trap to me. The words you're speaking are a dangerous trap to me because you're seeing things from a human point of view, not from God's. Okay. So that sort of answers the question. That's that's the key sentence. (laughs) That's yes, that's it, is why do we let the pigs roam free in our kitchen? Uh, you know, I know a lot of people who will tell you so many things that the Bible says are not of God, but they'll say it's okay because culturally it's okay. Or because, well, the world says it's okay. The human side of us says it's okay. So I'm seeing it from the human side of things. So then I don't get rid of it because, well, how bad is it really? How yeah. bad could this really be? It's normal. You know. Yeah, it's normal. This is all normal things. So, you know, if we're seeing things from a human point of view and not from God's, which this goes back to, how do we know God's point of view? As we said at the beginning, you have to know the wisdom of God, which is the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you won't know the wisdom of God. And you won't know when you're looking at things from a human point of view versus God's point of view. And so that you know, also means that we can change our point of view. Absolutely. We can have a different perspective. And I think um, when you have a point of view from God, 
when you start doing these things, you will be persecuted by other Christians, just, just to give you a clue. We've lived through that. Our parents have lived through that. We know people who live through that because you're, you're going against what makes people comfortable. Remember, Peter was trying to sympathize with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus, no, you're too good. Like this, this, You don't need to suffer. Well, that's what the devil was telling him um, out in the wilderness. He said, I'll give you all these kingdoms without you having to suffer. Isn't that yeah. more tempting? Yeah. yeah. And here Peter was agreeing with what the devil was trying to get Jesus to do. And if that would have happened, if Jesus would have been like, oh, I got a good buddy. He'll be with me. He'll, he'll help me. He'll keep me safe. We would all be doomed forever. Yeah. Um, thankfully, Jesus didn't get trapped up by that. He was seeing from God's perspective and he resisted that. But when you start doing that, when you start speaking like Jesus, you will have people like this. You will have people come against you because they don't see it God's way. That's one aspect of suffering like Jesus. You know, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him, be victorious with him. It doesn't mean we're going to suffer on a cross or, we're, you know, we got to go through all these crazy things. But this is one of the a specific example of how we suffer with Christ by having to live in the flesh yet with God's perspective and having to interact with people who don't have God's perspective and are, are not seeing things the way we are, yet we still have to be patient. We have to give them grace. And yet at the same time, trust God. Believe what God says, despite what everybody around us is saying, or what even maybe we are experiencing in our own flesh or seeing with our own eyes. God's word is the truth. And we need to change our perspective to see things through that truth. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus goes on to say, if you want to be my follower. So I, I, we assume right now that if you're listening, you are considering being a follower of Jesus, you're contemplating it, or you already are a follower mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, one of those, you fit into one of those categories, hopefully. And he's saying, you have to give up your own way. You have to give up that human way. You have to give up the cultural way. You have to give up the way your family's always done it, the way your friends are doing it. Mm-hmm. And you have to take up your cross and follow me because that's God's point of view. <laughs> that's not the human point of view. The human point of view is the opposite. The human point of view is do everything your own way. Do it the way that the world is telling you to do it, the way the culture is telling you to do it. Do it the way your religion is trying to tell you to do it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, if you do that, if you try to hang on to that, you're going to end up losing everything to the point where it says you can gain the whole world. As you said, that's what Satan was offering Jesus. I will give you the whole world. I will give you every kingdom in this world. But he says, what are you really gaining if that causes you to lose your soul? Mm -hmm. Because there is nothing worth more than your soul. Because your soul is who you are. You know, it's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. It's your personality. Yeah, it's your consciousness. So if you lose that, you're insane. You're out of your mind. You have no will. Your will is being imposed on you. You have no emotions other than just torment. You know, so that's what he's saying. You can gain all this worldly perspective, but in the end, you will lose your identity and you'll just be a slave to the enemy. And eventually you'll be in his hell where it was made for him. You'll be there with him out of your mind. That's, I mean, who would want that? (laughs) So when we say that, hey, this week we're going to be teaching you how to 
come out of temptation, how to overcome trials, overcome temptations, overcome wrong thinking. We never said it would be easy. Uh, Jesus, not only does he not say it's going to be easy, he says it's like taking up a cross and following him. So you're having to actually forsake your life in some ways in order to save it. You're having to reject the mainstream culture and you have to accept God's point of view. So it's not easy. And we never promised you it would be easy because it's not easy to swim against the tide at all. But let's take one last scripture into our discussion today. First Peter chapter five. He says, cast the whole of your care. So all those anxieties you might be feeling about how hard this might be, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, cast them on to Jesus, for he cares for you affectionately and watchfully. You need to be well-balanced. You need to be sober of mind. You need to be vigilant and cautious at all times, because that enemy of yours, that devil, he is always roaming around like a lion who is roaring who is in fierce hunger. He is seeking people to seize upon and devour. As Ben said, he is seeking to drag people with him to his eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. So what do you need to do? Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his lies, against the lies of this world. Be rooted, be established, be strong, be immovable, be determined. Pick up that cross knowing that the same types of challenges and sufferings are happening to the whole body of Christians throughout the world. So we need to know the word of God. We know we need to know the wisdom of God so that we can fight against those thoughts that come that are against God's word. We need to stand firm. We need to be sober minded. We need to be vigilant and we need to tell the devil as Jesus did get out of here. I don't want you in my life. And you can say that. You've got the right to say that if you're standing in the Lord. Be vigilant, be sober-minded, be cautious, and stand firm. And then also like casting all your care and anxieties. So think about that. Even though the devil's on the prowl, even though death and destruction are are the normal for this world that we live in, this world is a fallen, sinful place. This world is not God's will, but God has a plan to redeem us from this, and he's going to set up his kingdom. Even still, that's a terrible place to live. And we deal with temptations and struggles and trials. Here's the beauty of it. God, he didn't just leave us all by ourselves and say, just do good, you know, be strong. No, he says, cast all of our cares then, all of our anxieties. So we can be in this world with no care. We can be in this world with no anxiety, no worries and no concerns because Jesus cares for us affectionately and watchfully. That's the the trade-off. So we're trading off our wickedness, our sin, we're trading off our anxiety, our cares, and our worries for his will, and we can be at peace. We can walk in love. We can have joyfulness in our heart, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit. That's our real nature. So when we transfer from being fleshly or worldly or humanly minded to godly minded, that's the exchange. We're not just giving up all of our own thing and taking up our own cross and that's the extent of it no there's an exchange taking place 
We get to exchange all the bad for all the good of who Jesus is and who God is, and we become that. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, and remember, as we talked about on this past Sunday, he understands our weaknesses. If you're struggling with what we're talking about today, you're like, I am having trouble casting my cares. I'm having trouble being well-balanced and sober in mind. I'm having trouble resisting the enemy. Remember that Jesus said, I am your high priest, and he is standing right now before the very throne of God. He is interceding on your behalf. The Lord himself prays for you. He is there to help you, and he's invited you to come up with him into that throne room. And you can live there, he says. He says you can stay there with him in the very presence and throne room of God. And when you do that, the Lord provides grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. That's right. Let's cast our cares on the Lord right now. This is my prayer, and and this is what I do, and I'm going to pray this for you, and you can do this. Heavenly Father, we see the anxiety in the world. We see the death and destruction. We see division and corruption, and we see the enemy truly at work. Yet on the other hand, Father, we see that you are on the move. We hear you're speaking to us. We hear you calling us higher. We hear your will going forth. And so, Father, we just choose today and for anyone listening to cast all of our anxiety and our worries on you right now. Lord, the trouble on my heart, the trouble on my mind, I give it to you right now in the name of Jesus. I ask that you take it, that you dispel it forever. I pray that the peace of God would rule in my heart, that the peace of God would rule in my mind and in all those listening, that we would walk in joyfulness of heart, that we would have hope and faith and love in every part of our beings and walk in each one of those things every day. That's my prayer, Lord, for everyone listening, Father that they would have a new hope that you are on the throne, that your will is going forth, and that we can have a part in that if we choose to accept that today. And I do, Lord. I pray that everyone listening would also, in Jesus' name, go out and be the church in your world. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so you never miss a day. And then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com, to learn more about us, check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become part of this church family movement.